Hello again, everyone. I'm Jim Gray. Welcome to Let's Go, along with Tom Brady, as we get ready to celebrate a very special Thanksgiving edition. Our program is brought to you by USAA Insurance. We're dedicated to helping the military community protect what they've worked hard for with insurance that meets their high standards. Get the coverage you deserve. USAA Insurance. USAA! And all across the land... We give thanks as we celebrate Thanksgiving, a special week, families and friends getting together. Hey, Tommy, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, Jim. Great talking to you. And we have the most special guest here with us today and a great friend of both of ours, um, Oprah, obviously. So very grateful to have you on the show with us. And thanks, Jim, for pulling us all together as you always do. Well, I'm a little nervous, guys, because if you want to talk football, I am not your girl. <laughs> hey, X's and O's. That's what we're here for. We need instant analysis, win or lose. Okay. All right. But the house stands still when 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 the Buccaneers or, or formerly the Patriots come come into the house. Right, Oprah? The house stands still in our house. Stedman is like, I'm sorry. I Tom has a no. Tom has a game today. I'm sorry. I can't do whatever. Tom has a game today. Oh, OK. Tom has a game today. Uh, Everything stops. Nope. We can't have dinner at that time. Tom has a game today. Yeah. The best supporter and just a great yeah. man. So love yeah, Stedman. He's a great, great guy. What's Thanksgiving, the celebration like for you, Oprah? I know that you have a lot of the folks who you've mentored uh, come over and, and, and they're your kids. Uh, what's what's the celebration at Oprah's house uh, for Thanksgiving? Well, like? we, we, we have a house full of girls and those girls are girls that I've been mentoring since they were 12 years old and I first discovered them going around to townships and villages in Africa, in South Africa, since uh, Stedman and I stayed at Nelson Mandela's house in 2002. We spent 10 days at Nelson Mandela's house. And I was so nervous when Nelson Mandela said, you must come and stay at my house because I was doing something called Christmas kindness, where I was going around from village to village, taking toys and clothes and books to children. And Nelson Mandela said, oh, you, I said, I said, no, we have our, we have our place at, uh, at the hotel. He goes, no, no, no. I insist you must come to my home. So I was such a nervous wreck. Like I was saying to Stedman, oh my God, oh my God, we have to spend 10 days. That means 10 meals with Nelson Mandela. Like I can get through a meal, but I was thinking 10, I'll have 10 meals worth of conversation, okay? And Stedman, I said, oh, what are we gonna do? And he said, why don't you try listening? So <laughs> I said, what are we gonna talk about? He goes, why don't you work? Don't worry about talking. Why don't you try listening? And which is exactly what, what I ended up doing because you don't have to talk a lot if you're around Nelson Mandela, he does all the talking. So at that time, at the end of that visit, uh, Tom and Jim, I, you know, when you, you can't leave a candle, you can't send flowers for a 10 day visit to Nelson Mandela. I started talking about what I wanted to do for South Africa and that my dream had been to build a school. And I was thinking, oh, I'll do that in five or six years. Nelson Mandela said, oh, you want to build a school? He jumps up from the table, calls the head of the Department of Education for South Africa, says, get over here right now. Oprah wants to build a school. Wow. And so that's how it started. But I went from village to village to townships looking for girls who had what I had when I was growing up in rural Mississippi, um, poor but determined. And mm -hmm. so I was looking for that same kind of grit, determination, resilient, resilience, that thing I call it, 
you know what that is. Y'all both mm-hmm. do. It's, it's, it's a thing that you really can't even define, right? Mm-hmm. When you see it in somebody where they just, so I was looking for that in girls and ended up building a school for girls who didn't have the means, but had the desire and the will mm-hmm. to do better in their lives. And now those girls are 27, 28, 29. Wow. They've been to college all over the United States. They've been to from Stanford to Brown to Spelman and everything else in between, University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. They've been everywhere. And uh, they end up at our house for Thanksgiving. And this year, everybody has to come in a few days early and quarantine um, and then quarantine for four days and then move move into the main space here. And it's a house full of singing and laughter and dancing and music and lots of joy for Thanksgiving. Amazing. What's your house like, Tom? Amazing. Yeah. And just, again, so grateful, I think, for, you know, for all those amazing girls that have done so much to, to be a part of that program. I'm sure they're grateful to you to do that. Um, in our yeah. house, it's, it's interesting. I've, cause I've been in football for so long, uh, 22 years professionally, it always comes in the middle of the football season. So it's always kind of just mashed together and whatever friends can come over. And, and, um, you know, we usually have a game on that sun on that Sunday. So, you know, it's like, hurry up and, you know, Thanksgiving here, it's upon us. And, you know, the holidays just kind of come and go. So, you know, you kind of overlook a lot of birthdays, you know, Thanksgiving is a lot to be thankful for, but you only get about four hours to enjoy it. You know, practice usually ends about one or two, you eat about three 30 and then, you know, you're getting ready for next day of practice. So, and then same thing with Christmas. So, you know, it's just, I'm looking forward to the time when I'm done playing football so that I can have some of those more normal holidays that I had growing up that were important where the family's all together. And this year my parents are coming in town. So, um, but you get four a- hours of Thanksgiving and also, also what are you actually eating at the Thanksgiving table? As well? Just like <laughs> everyone else, just like everyone else, you know, that's the one meal where I'm like, screw it, let's go for it. And we all get to enjoy it. So it's, it is, it's a great holiday. There's, obviously not the pressure of the holidays where you feel like you got to, you know, kind of run around and do a lot of the things that we feel like we have to do during Christmas. And Thanksgiving is a great day for holidays. And for me, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's still football season. So it's hard for me to, I'm always get anxious during football season because I'm on, you know, and yeah. um, part of, and there's in. never a time, even when, even if you're not playing, if you have a Sunday off, there's never a time during the entire season where you're actually not on, right? I would think that that whole season, you're just like wired up. Yeah. And I explained the gym because we were talking a little earlier, but you know, it's like a, it's a 26 mile marathon of a season, you know, and it's just right when you're in the middle of the marathon in mile 17, you don't have people going, Hey, you know, how you feeling right now? You know what I mean? You're like, I'm running. God damn it. I'm running. <laughs> You know, like shut up and wait till I'm done to let you know, let me know yeah. how I'm doing. And there's no time to say, Hey, where well, I'm ahead or I'm behind. You just feel like your, your, your goal is to you're measured at the end, you know? And I think because football season is once a week end, you know, you're, you're not typically thinking about how it's going over the course of the season. You're thinking about the moment right now we're in the moment, but you know, again, I think it is perspective in the grand scheme of things. And I look what you're doing and all the help and all the amazing things you've done for so many people. The best part is being reflective about and having the perspective on what's really important, you know? And I think you think about time with your family or time 
with the people that you care about the most and helping people. And, you know, I think so many NFL players and, and athletes in general um, do amazing things in their communities to give back how they can. And I think all the organizations I've been a part of do make a concerted effort to do what we can during the football season. You know, every Tuesday, there's things that guys do in the community to help schools. You know, there's always turkey giveaways and Christmas giveaways and so forth. So uh, we all do the best we can with the different opportunities that we have. And there's such a amazing group of people in a locker room, you know, we're all from different parts of the country. I'm 44. I'm playing with guys. A guy looked over at me in the huddle yesterday and he goes, Tom, my mom is 42, you know, and I'm 44. <laughs> and I just, I got to laugh, you know, cause I'm like, it's just, it's just the way it is. So um, it's just the way it is. So do you, the at the end of the season, are you, can you finally let go at the end of the season or at the end of the Super Bowl. I know. I know. I, I wish I hope it always goes to that point. But it's a lot. It's again, I feel like you're on a treadmill and you're running it, you know, as fast as you can possibly run. And then finally, at some point, the season ends. And I've been very fortunate to be at the end end where you're in the Super Bowl end. But I've been at other parts where it ends are early. And it's always there's no soft landings in the NFL. It's always a crash landing. So it takes a couple of weeks to get out of the kind of the fight or flight in your body every week because you know, you, you're just, your body's prepared for it. It's, uh, you know, I took a hit. We went to block a guy and the guy's about 330 pounds on the other side of the ball. And he had a running start at about from about five yards away. And I wasn't looking and he got me, you know, and if the only thing I'd say is I've been in a car crash and it's worse than a car crash. So again, what's your body do? You're prepared for it and you're, and you know, I got to come home every night and I got to take deep breath. And before I walk in the house, I got to just you know, you're in that mood where it's fight or flight. And right now we're so, always fighting. So are you hurting today from that crash? I have a little whiplash, but again, it's like, I've had 30 years of it too. So my body is kind of, you know, it, it's pretty much prepared for it. I don't think, uh, you know, there's something about the discipline of a very physical sport that I enjoy because you really do pay the price if you don't prepare for it. You know, there's a mm -hmm. lot of jobs that, you know, is a non-contact. So you know, you could play another sport and it's not to diminish any other sport. It's just the reality of a sport. But I would say like, you know, in, in baseball, for example, if you're not prepared, maybe you strike out in football, you get whiplash. So it's <laughs> oh, a yeah. little, it's yeah. just a little different at the end of the day in golf, you know, oh, well, you know, you miss a putt and you go home, but in football, you really do pay a price. So this, there's a urgency to the sport that I really enjoy and my teammates enjoy and I think it's an amazing sport for that standpoint that you better be on it because if you're not, you know, you're really with risking your personal kind of health and well-being and your teammates too. Are you loving Florida? Have you had a chance to actually enjoy it? Yeah, really enjoying it. And hey, we're supposed to be interviewing you by the I way. Know, just I so know, you know, just, and naturally I see all look the at pictures you. Of the family around. I'm thinking, are you, are you Florida, the difference between Florida and Boston is like yeah. the opposite end of the planet. Good yeah. God, the cold winters versus, yeah. Have you have yeah. you seen his new tuxedo? No, I haven't seen his new tuxedo. <laughs> Tell him about your new tuxedo, Tom. I wear flip-flops to a press conference and everyone's like, what's up with that? So I said, ah, that's a Tampa Bay tuxedo right there. I got oh, my, nice. my Birkenstocks <laughs> on. So I was chilling, you know, and there definitely is a difference in the, um, you know, I know you were in Chicago for so long and you still have a yeah. amazing presence there, but I think that, you know, there's just, uh, it's just very different in every way. You know, there's just, when you're 20 years in one place, like I was in the Northeast, you know, you kind of drive to work without thinking, you know, and then, 
Yes. It's nice to come to a different place and experience. You drive you know, to work, the- you get there and you don't even know how you got there. And then you drive from home and you don't even yeah. know how you, how you, oh, how did I end up home? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still using my ways every place I go. I never wish I'm turned around looking around, but it is nice to, you know, I, I do love the nice weather. I mean, I don't ever envision going to a place where there's not nice weather anymore because I did it long enough where there was, you know, just that attitude where you're just fighting through the winter. You, you see people walking down the street and they are just trying to get indoors. Nobody has yeah. time to talk to you, to acknowledge you. There's just a way people move that is just like, okay. And then people start to thaw out in Chicago around April and yeah. then they'll speak to you or have a conversation, but woo, in the wintertime, you're just trying to get indoors. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. there's just so many, so many different aspects that change. And again, you're, 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 you know, the professional life changes, personal life changes. I think everyone's enjoying it. You're always on the move. You're on, you're on the move between, you know, Here, Santa Barbara. Yeah. Santa Barbara and, and, and Maui, which I actually do love, which, which is also a different way of being. I mean, uh, we were building a house for the past 10 years. Let me just tell you that, and, <laughs> and, and there's a lot of aloha time going into that. Because <laughs> sure. you're looking, you're you're looking for the you're looking for the carpenter, and he's like, "Well, the waves were up, so we're out surfing." I mean, yeah. I'm telling you, yeah. I thought when the surf's up, forget it. I mean, yeah. build a house in a lower time. I appreciate, you know, I, I know there's so much emphasis on looking at gratitude and being grateful during this particular season, but I live my life from the space of gra- gratitude is my religion. I would have to mm-hmm. say, and I am. I feel as blessed as I am because I'm, I'm constantly, I literally have kept a gratitude journal. I have stacks of them since wow. like the early nineties. So I started a journal when I was like 15 years old. I still have that journal. And wow. then around 92, 93, there was a woman who came on named Sarah Bonbronic who said, you know, most people journal about all the bad things if you start looking at the good things in your life, like writing down five things every day that you're really grateful for. And I started that as a practice and now have volumes of them. And they're always, uh, Jim and Tom, they're just the simplest things. It's everything from, oh, I had a delicious raspberry sorbet today to watching the dogs uh, tumble together on the lawn to, you know, being able to literally watch the sunset from the bedroom. I mean, just the simple things. And so I spend a lot of time thinking about where I've come from, how I got to be who and where I am and having a deep appreciation for that. I mean, I never, ever, ever lose sight of that. So much more with the incomparable Oprah Winfrey. Let's Go is brought to you by GoldenNuggetCasino.com. Now online in Michigan and New Jersey. Play your favorite online slots and game tables like Blackjack, Roulette, and so much more with over 700 games to choose from. Only at GoldenNuggetCasino.com. And as we celebrate Thanksgiving, our program is also brought to you by Mastro Steakhouse. A trip to Mastro's is a culinary adventure. Experience the good life with handcrafted cocktails, exceptional steaks, and the freshest seafoods. Visit Mastro's.com for locations and reservations. Much more with Oprah and Tom. Stay with us right here on Sirius XM. The game of basketball has taken over the world. 
Hi, this is Fran Frischella, and my podcast, The World of Basketball, is back for season two. Each and every week, I bring my many years of coaching and scouting around the world into conversations with players, coaches, and executives who give the game its international flair. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and review. Check out World of Basketball wherever you get your podcasts and on the SXM app. Welcome back to Let's Go. I'm Jim Gray along with Tom Brady. Our special guest is the legendary Oprah Winfrey. Our program is brought to you by Ring. Protect your house like the best with the award-winning Ring Alarm security system. Score a special offer on Ring Alarm today. Go to ring.com forward slash let's go. That's ring.com forward slash let's go. And Let's Go is also brought to you by FTX. Download the FTX app now and get started in the crypto game. I'm Jim Gray with Tom Brady, and our conversation with Oprah continues. I was just going to say, does having that gratitude and recognizing it early, did, did that cause you to move your life from success to significance? Well, I've always, uh, that's a really good question. And I love that phrase, success to significance, because, you know, my mantra or theme for my, everybody has something going on in their lives that becomes sort of like an anthem or theme for your life. And mine was always, God use me. How can I be used? And the reason that show, the Oprah show, moved from being just a talk show to a literal, literally a cultural phenomenon in people's lives and being a source of a force for good is because I switched my way of thinking about the show around 89. So I realized oh, I'm, I, I'm not just doing a show. What I really want is to, and, and actually it was a show that I was doing with members of the Ku Klux Klan and skinheads that actually turned me around. And another show I'd done with a, a guy who was brave enough to come on with his mistress and his wife. And I saw his wife's face when her husband on national television told her that his girlfriend was pregnant. This was on national television, it was live. And the look on her face was such humiliation and sadness. I thought I will never, ever, ever be a part of anything that forces a person to have that kind of shame and embarrassment that will never, ever happen on my watch again. And the same thing with the, with the KKK members, I saw them signaling each other in the audience and I realized, oh, they're using me. I think I'm exposing their vitriol, but actually they're, they're using this as a platform for recruitment for themselves. And so I went to the producers and I told them, I will no longer be doing a show where anybody gets embarrassed, anybody's shamed, anybody's put in a situation that makes them feel uncomfortable. And I will not be a part of anything that allows uh, hate and vitriol to spread, uh, even if we think we're reporting on it. And so they are like, well, what are we gonna do? And I said, we are gonna do a show that's based on our intention to actually serve the audience and be a force mm -hmm. for good. So don't come to me with any ideas unless you are aligned with what the intention and the real reason for doing it is. And everything has to uplift, enlighten, encourage, entertain, which was our mission. So ultimately, whatever you're doing has to entertain because you're on TV. But how do you use this 
this platform as a force for helping people to see themselves and live better lives instead of just putting on a show. And that is when success changed to significance for me. And what I realized is, is that when you're in pursuit of what is meaningful, what is significant, what brings value, the success automatically comes because that's what everybody's actually looking for. We all want the same thing. You know, you know what Tom does and what I do, what you do, Jim, all seems so varied, but ultimately what I've realized from thousands of interviews, you know, I've talked to over 37,000 people one-on-one -on -one in my career. And what I realized is, is that everybody wants to know, did you see me? Did you hear me? And did what I say mean anything? And every fight that you have with your spouse, with your friend, with your boss, whatever, is always about, did you see me? Did you hear me? And did what I say matter? That's all anything is ever about. It's about, did, does, does what I say matter? Do you see me? And when I recognized that, it made it much easier for me to interview anybody from any walk of life about anything, because I know we're all looking for the same thing, to feel a sense of validation and significance in our lives. And I also recognize that, you know, every human being wants the same thing. And all of us have different talents. So Tom, obviously you are the goat of all times for what you do in football. And it is the truest, highest expression of yourself and your talent. Everybody else is looking for the same thing. Everybody in their work wants to be able to live out what is the truest, highest expression of themselves. So we're all striving for the same thing, but obviously have different talents and ways of expressing it. And so once you recognize that, uh, it, it's really possible to see the significance and value in everybody in everybody, everybody just wants that. It's the common denominator in the human experience I've learned. Tom, aren't you trying so to do that with all of your teammates and, and lift yeah. everybody? Isn't it, isn't it that, that feeling not so well expressed as Oprah just did, but isn't that what you're always trying to do in some form or another? Yeah, I think it, it so much is that, and, and I think when you, exactly what Oprah said to talk about, you know, I believe like leadership is so much about caring, obviously about people and my teammates and, you know, again, people would say, because I've accomplished what I've accomplished, but to me, none of that matters. You know, it's like my teammates deserve for, for the person that is, you know, out there with them to care about them deeply and care about them as a human and their development. And what do I see in them that can allow them to reach their, you know, yeah. to reach and actualize their potential. And I think, you know, sports for us, it plays out on a one given week on this three hour time frame, but it really plays out over the course of a season. In the end, it really plays out over the course of a career. You know, and all these little microcosms of what make a successful team, make a successful family, and make a successful show, right. and make a successful community. And make a successful For life. sure, absolutely. Yeah. And it's being a constant learner. Like, knowing that you don't, knowing what you don't know is limitless potential. You know, yes. thinking that we know everything. Oh, God, I hear it. And I've been in it for as long as anyone. You know, what I realize is I don't know you know, what I know versus what I thought I know. And then what I'm continuing to learn, all those things allow me to be the best I can be for the people that I'm serving. Like, I feel like winning for me in sports is so much about me allowing other people to win. Like I've done enough winning. It's not for me. It's really to watch everyone else grow and learn and, you know, to see parts of themselves that, 
you know, they get to enrich their lives and the, the lives of their family. You know, I talked to our players before the Super Bowl and I said, guys, there's so many people who have supported us. This is for them. Like we get a chance to go out there. We've got so many people watching and paying attention. Like, let's go do this. It's way beyond us. This is for them. And let's, let's be our best for them. For everyone that took the time to get us to this moment, to get to represent all of us. You got us 53, but behind us 53, there's a hundred other people, you know, and then there's so much of support. So we're so blessed to have that opportunity. I think gratitude's an amazing word. I always use appreciation, perspective, and gratitude, you know, for what we're doing. And, and so much of what we want to even do with this show. Yeah, it's sports, but sports for the sake of, of watching other people, develop their physical bodies and their mental, their mental states and their emotional states and how you can bring all three of those together to, you know, again, be the best you can be at a particular moment and the biggest stage, you know, when it's, when there's no room for air and then look, if there is air and there's adversities to overcome, how are we going to deal with those? You know, who are you going to rely on when things don't go well? Yep. And how do you literally face those openly and not, you know, sweep it under the carpet. And I like when then when there's an adversity or when there's a, a challenge to be able to look it straight in the eye and, 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 and go for it. You know, I think that's so important. But also what you're doing is exactly what I'm talking about. I, I, I learned that early on, no matter what show I did, Jim, I don't know if you experienced this too when you're interviewing people, but at no matter, I don't care what the show was, at the end of it, the, every person in one form or another said, was that okay? Are you okay? Absolutely. Was that all right? Did you get what you need? Exactly I mean, everybody right. does that. And you know why they do that? Because they want to know, did what I say, did that yeah. come through? Did that yeah. land? Did that matter? Yeah. And I, I think when we recognize that that's what every, every person is looking for in every walk of life. And Tom, obviously, you're doing that with your two teammates allowing them to know that their aspirations, their desires, their, you know, ability to contribute, all of that matters to not just, you know, the whole team, but also to the community and and what it means, you know, for the team. Tom and I talk often about perfection and Tom's been Mm. able to touch it. He's had the perfect quarter. He's had the perfect pass. He's grabbed that that thing called perfection, but it's like a jellyfish and it slips through his hands and he, and he can't quite grasp it, but he wants to do it again and again and again. And you just pointed something out. I will bring, I'm wondering if in fact you do this after every interview, first of all, have you done the perfect interview or you like the rest of us? Why did I stumble on that word? Why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I follow up with this question? Why was the producer talking in my ear and I couldn't hear? Are you in Mm. review like that? And are you trying to touch perfection and have you? No, 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 no. I don't have any of that, Jim. I must say I do not. And you know what, Jim? I don't have a producer in my ear. I've never used an earpiece. So I've never had. Well, live sports, we got to go to commercials. Otherwise, it doesn't get paid for. (laughs) I've never used an earpiece. I was doing something the other day and somebody asked what earpiece and I said, no, it irritates me and makes me feel, it, it annoys me, people talking in my ear, trying to tell me. So, I mean, I, I grew up not using one. And so I've, I've, I've never done that. You know, in the early days I did. And like, I would say in my years in Baltimore and early days in Chicago, I remember asking um, a really stupid question, inappropriate question of Sally Field when she was dating Burt Reynolds. Remember that, Jim? Tom, you were too young, but Sally Fields was in, used to date Burt Reynolds. And I asked the question because the producers 
were like, it kept showing up in the prompter, ask it, ask it, ask it, ask it. So I thought I had to ask the question, ask, ask, does, does Bert sleep with his toupee on? And she <laughs> shut down. He, she just like went silent. And, and I thought, oh God, I knew I shouldn't have asked the question. We went to commercial break and we came back and then she asked, she answered every question like with monosyllables. Mono, mono and so I learned from that moment, only do what your gut, your instinct tells you to do. I don't care what the producer is, 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 is saying. So that's when I regret it. Have you done the perfect interview? Mm. I don't know if there is such a thing because there's always another question. There's always something more. There's always, uh, there's always another way to have that conversation. There's always, so no, I, I actually, when I was doing the show every day, I didn't look at the show. I, I never looked at the interviews after I did them. And once I'm done, I'm done. Do allows you. you what do you, do you think? Have I? Yeah. I did one, and I don't know that I have 37,000, but tens of thousands. The one time when Mike Tyson bit off of Vander Holyfield's ear. Yeah. Uh, I walked away from that thinking, fortunately, he didn't hit me. So that was perfect. <laughs> Second of yeah. all, uh, I got every question right in that for the audience and for the people that I work with because that had never happened before and wasn't going to happen again. Uh, never happened in my career and hadn't seen that and hasn't happened since. And I didn't walk away and saying, you know, I should have followed up there. I think I got all the information that I could in the heat of the moment. And I don't want to mm. say that it was perfect, but I don't think I could have done any better. Mm -hmm. mm. Interesting. Yeah. I, I would agree. I thought that LeBron interview, too, was pretty, was pretty special. Thank you. Thank that you. Was pretty I, wish, I wish there were more you know, people like you who'd have been texting me after that. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. I think you did a lot of good. Say, I have to say that, um, you know, I've done so many and my most memorable interviews are not with uh, famous people. My most memorable, memorable interview, actually, one of the top 10 most memorable was a show I was doing on divorce, ch children of divorce. And I learned during that show, guys, that most kids are never even told why their parents separated. They wake up and the next morning their parent is gone and there's never an explanation. And for whatever reason, you know, <clears throat> culturally, you know, society, you know, you think you're not supposed to sit, talk about the divorce with the children and the children, dad has just disappeared or mom has disappeared and there's no word about it, no explanation about it. And kids blame themselves. They think it's because of the last thing they did or because they didn't do their homework well enough or because they somehow take, take on the energy for themselves. And I ended up talking to little kids and grown kids years later who are still traumatized from not knowing the why of why their, their, their parents split up. And I remember a little red haired boy who was like eight years old who was uh, crying because he said he tried to get, convince his mom to stay and that he saved his allowance, makes my voice crack, saved his allowance to buy her a wing. Um, he said, I bought her a wing to try to get her to stay and she still wouldn't stay and couldn't understand. So that stands out in my memory as, you know, uh, one of the more impactful ones because if nothing else, letting people know that when you're going to split up, your children are a part of that. 
and they deserve to at least be sat down and told, given the respect that dad will not be here tomorrow morning or mom will not be here and here's the reason why and that it's mm-hmm. dishonorable to them not to do so. So that's mm-hmm. that's one of my, my most memorable mm-hmm. ones. You know, it's been interesting to me in talking to you over the years, uh, Oprah, uh, how much you help other people who have the glare of the spotlight, how mm-hmm. willing you are of your time to get to those who are coming into this microscope and aren't oh, really yeah. ready for it. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm wondering what your advice to them is in this day and age with social media and with everybody yeah. having a camera and with every moment you know, being being a moment where you can just step on yourself and 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 do harm to yourself and others. Well, you know, yes, you know, I remember having a conversation with Justin Bieber, I think, around his 18th birthday, and I remember saying to him, "I really feel for you because this is what I've learned and seen repeat itself over and over. If you come into this fame game, and it is a game, if you come into this this space." not knowing who you are without a clear, to use Stedman's word, identity Mm -hmm. about who you are and what your values are and what your decisions will be in times of challenge. If you come into it and you don't know that, this this fame thing will eat you alive. Mm -hmm. It will destroy you. It will take, because fame, in my opinion, is just, is, is being in a space where more people know your name than then don't and more people know know your name but the truth is as you have seen in your growth and development tom you're the same person you're the same person inward mm-hmm. inwardly you're the same person other people may write about you say things about you have their own opinions about you but you are the same person yeah and even as you're growing and developing you're still the same person sure. their idea about who you are changes, changes. but you don't change. If you don't know that that you're the same person, if you don't know who you are, then you just follow their idea and everything anybody says about you now influences how you see yourself, which is, in my opinion, one of the tragedies of this moment that we're living in, that Mm -hmm. everybody is defined not by who they believe themselves or know themselves to be but by what the rest of the world, what the Instagram world, what the TikTok world, what the you know Twitter world has to say you are, and your life is based on your likes, you know how many likes you get, and so it's very hard to 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 raise children. I'm sure you and Giselle talk about this to raise children who are exposed every day to the opinions of other people um, in ways that can be very damaging. And so, you know, my advice is to hold on, is to hold on to yourself and to know where your center is, to know what matters to yourself, to actually have an idea of what your true values are, to know the people who are going to ride on the bus with you when the limousine's gonna break down mm-hmm. so that you're not mistaking that for a friendship or anything else, you know? Yeah, I was so fortunate to have, you know, obviously great parents that really grounded us. I had three older sisters, I had three older sisters who were very grounding for me too. But, you know, my daddy always used to say, which was a great compliment to people. He's a real class act, you know, yeah. and that used to be such a compliment. And I think now it is, you're just an act. <laughs> but the problem is the acts get just as much attention, sometimes more attention than the class acts. So I'm just hoping that at some point 
you know, the ba- you know, we can rebalance how people see that. Like there's the right things to do and there's the wrong things to do. And there's, I believe there's right ways to represent yourself. And there's, you know, maybe ways in my opinion that don't represent yourself very well. So, you know, you'd always want to think and you look back, wow, I really handled that the best way I could based on the situation and opportunities were that, that were presented at that time, you know, and it's challenging. I think for a lot of, you know, you talk about, you know, and I'm exposed to it just on a daily basis, you know, with the people that I'm around, you know, it's just some people don't have the opportunities that, you know, I was afforded growing up with that were really balanced and stable and, you know, could give you real honest feedback and not people that were, you know, just kind of jumped on the bandwagon too. So again, I think in my position, I try to do the best I can to give, you know, it's, it's some is sometimes it's very challenging as you feel like you make a lot of investment of time and energy into people. And then you mm-hmm. always want to feel like you want that investment of time and energy to, you know, pay, to, to pay itself back and to see that person really succeed. And sometimes it really does, you know, and then other times you go, God, I just couldn't quite get it, get through, you know, and, you know, it definitely has its challenges, I think, uh, from that standpoint, because you want some immediate return too, you know. Well, one of the most rewarding things to me has been to watch these girls that I have mentored since they were 12 years old grow into young women who make sound decisions for themselves, who know how to manage their time, their energy, their money, and are just really, it's just one of the most rewarding things. You know, I did this for them originally, creating that school, but to see them grow into productive people who can be the leaders of their own lives is just, well, God, just so rewarding. I'm so glad I've, you know, I've lived to see it. So that's exciting to me, watching them become the best that they can be. And I know that, so I mean, I hear them sometimes repeating things that I've said or Stedman said, you know, oh, this is the funniest thing, guys. You all know Stedman is really big on identity leadership. Okay. So <laughs> that's the name the of his book. Went, Oh, yeah, it's the name of his book, Identity Leadership. So one day, one of the girls, um, we were all sitting at the dinner table, and one of the girls had gone out on a date, and she's coming back with the date, and she's like bringing the guy inside. Oh, no, oh, Lord, she's bringing the guy to the table. And he comes in, we introduce him to everybody. We're all like, oh, come join, sit, us for, sit down for dinner. And Sedman asked the guy, you know, what are you doing? What are you interested in? And the guy happens to say, he says, well, I'm not really sure, sir. sir. I'm kind of like just finished school and really kind of in search of my identity. And everybody <laughs> at the table, all the girls went, no! <laughs> well, you were in the right place. Here we go. Don't say it. Don't say it. Oh, my God. And then Stedman turns and goes, did you say identity? Did you say you identity? Oh my God, we know we're going to have a two hour lecture now. Oh no, 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 don't say the word. I literally said, girls, let's go, let's go. Let's start going, let's go, let's go. So we come back an hour later, Stedman is sitting at the table with the guy. He's got the salt shaker, the spoons, the da da da, illustrating identity leadership. Oh my God, it was yeah. so fun. He's a great teacher. He's a great teacher. He, oh my he's God. He's a great man. Don't, don't mention the word identity though. You will get a lecture. Yeah. <laughs> Oprah, it's great of you to join us. We're so Thank thankful you. for you and for all that you have done. You've transformed people's lives. You've changed them all for the better. This is a great little conversation we just had here, guys. Thank you so much. Always. Always. Thank you, Oprah. Good to Happy see you. My best to you. 
My best to you, Giselle, and the family, Tom. Thank Great. you so much. Hope to see you guys soon, too, whether it's in Maui or out in Santa Barbara or one of hey, the other amazing places. We can come to Florida, babe. Come, come on, Florida. let's go. Come enjoy the beautiful <laughs> sun and humidity. Actually, this time of year, it's starting to get nice. So yeah. it's a little All like right. California this time. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye. Great to see you. The great Oprah Winfrey. All she does for so many remarkable achievements and, and just a, a, a wonderful and fantastic life that's been lived. Uh, Tommy, what were your thoughts on this conversation that we just had with Oprah? I feel very much the same way. All the moments that I've had the experience to be around her with her personally. Um, and on this particular interview, she always shows the most poise, the most gratitude as she spoke about. And um, it's a great lesson for all of us. She, again, she's accomplished so much personally, but she continues to give back and be grateful for all the things that have happened in her life. And um, it's always inspiring for me to learn. And I feel like I took away a lot of things from it. I'm going to do more in the future. I'm certain of that. You're right, Tom. She inspires everyone. And we all who are in these positions can do so much more. And there's so much to admire and respect and emulate in Oprah Winfrey. It's not just her words, but it's also her actions. As we get ready to celebrate Thanksgiving, Tom, we're all grateful and thankful for uh, all that you do for us. I know that uh, we've been together for a long time. And uh, as we celebrate with our families, we wish you all the best uh, on Thanksgiving and that you have a day full of joy then that you're able to be with your loved ones. And I guess you're going to take in a little food and football. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. And to all our listeners out there, thank you guys so much for being on an amazing journey with us over the years. It takes a lot of people to make shows successful. And I'm grateful for all the wonderful people involved with our show that bring great content, great stories, um, hopefully some laughter and some inspiration themselves. So I want to wish all our listeners a happy Thanksgiving. I have so much to be grateful for just beyond blessed in so many ways, personally, professionally, and look forward to giving back uh, more and more in the future. So it's been a great 2021, you know, because I can reflect on some of the things that had its challenges, like all of us, but also look forward to what's ahead and how I can do better in the future. Did I hear you kind of thank Snake even? I did. How could I not Snake my guy? <laughs> it's a good thing this is on on a recording it, because, because we don't give that guy a lot of love, but... Uh, I guess even on a holiday like this. Snake, buddy, we love you. Thanks for all you do. Love you, Snake. Thanks, pal. That's Tom Brady. I'm Jim Gray. Let's Go is brought to you by United Wholesale Mortgage. And any athlete's going to tell you, it helps to work with an expert. For buying or refinancing a home, your expert is an independent mortgage broker. Find one at findamortgagebroker.com. Powered by United Wholesale Mortgage, LLC. Equal housing lender, NMLS, number 3038. Licensed in all 50 states and the district of Columbia. Folks, we wish you all the happiest of Thanksgivings. Be safe out there and enjoy the time that you spend with your family and friends. We'll talk to you next week right here on Sirius XM. Our thanks to our producer, Dave the Snake Hagen, production assistance by Harris Fabishoff. And we're grateful and thankful to our sponsors, Mastros, USAA, Ring, United Wholesale Mortgage, FTX, and GoldenNuggetCasino.com. Let's Go Podcast with Tom Brady was produced by 199 Productions in collaboration with Scratchy Productions. Our thanks once again to the great Oprah Winfrey, and we will talk to you again next Monday night right here on Sirius XM. Sirius XM Podcasts.